I was coming from this place and this old belief and old story of money could disappear at any moment. So in order to be safe and secure, I need to save, 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 save. And in order to make sure I can save, I need to be a hard worker at my job. I need to stay there later. I need to be working on the weekends. And so that's what I did all from unconscious patterns. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and sign up for my free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter where I share how to reduce risk, create, grow, and protect your well fellow risk takers this is your worst podcast host andrew stotts from a stotts academy and i'm here with featured guest amy minkley amy are you ready to join the mission yes definitely thank you <laughs> i'm happy to have you and i want to introduce you to the audience ladies and gentlemen the founder of FI Freedom Retreats, Amy Minkley's life changed when she discovered the financial independence movement in 2019. After working in Asia for 18 years, she was burned out. In a frantic bid to save her sanity and relationship, a late night online search led her to the FIRE movement, that's F-I-R-E, armed with the knowledge of hundreds of FIRE blogs and podcasts. Amy gained a new sense of hope, overcame a one-more-year syndrome, and quit her job in Bangkok. In 2021, she moved to Bali to live her dream life and share the message of financial independence and purposeful living. She's now happily engaged to her Australian beloved and organizing transformational FI retreats. Wow, Amy, <laughs> tell us about the unique value that you are bringing to this wonderful world. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me. The value I bring to the world is giving people an opportunity to step out of a default pattern. And I know this personally, because at least I was in a default pattern for many, many, two decades at least, of overworking and being quite unhappy in my life and offering an opportunity of a different way to live or a different way to see the world. And so, as you mentioned, I'm organizing a retreat, and I am very excited to give people an opportunity to come and experience life in Bali and also see what's possible and what, you know, whatever their vision is for their own life to be able to reflect on their life and create that for themselves. Mm. I'm thinking about like, I like the word rut. Like mm -hmm. I got stuck in a rut when I was riding my bike down the hill and then mm -hmm. I crashed, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But a rut is such a clear thing, you know. And I think that we are all in our own ruts in one way or another. But I was just thinking about, you know, why do we get stuck in these ruts, you know, and, and fear breaking out? And, you know, maybe we're exposed to some of these things like the fire movement as an example, but we don't respond because we're in our rut. Maybe you can help us understand that. Yeah, I think for me, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I was dominated by some unconscious patterns and 
fears from childhood, really. You know, my my um, family had money when I was very young, and then my father left the family, and suddenly overnight we didn't have money. And so, although I didn't realize it for decades, I was coming from this place and this old belief and old story of money could disappear at any moment. So in order to be safe and secure, I need to save, 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 save. And in order to make sure I can save, I need to be a hard worker at my job. I need to stay there later. I need to be you know, working on the weekends. And so that's what I did all from unconscious patterns. Hmm. So that was where I got into my rut is, is noticing, you know, having these beliefs that dominated my life that I didn't even realize were there that kept me in that rut. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I tell the story about how when my mom came to live with me, mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, I don't eat shellfish for some reason. I just don't like it and, you know, whatever. And then my mom and I were talking about, oh, you remember that time when when your father and your two sisters got, you know, hepatitis C from shellfish oh, when you were yeah. six or seven? And, you know, <laughs> And I was like, holy crap, wait a minute. Now I realize why I don't eat shellfish. Mm. And it's simply because I had this negative connotation at that very young age. And then it just went into my mind and the rest of my life, I didn't eat shellfish. Yes, And I didn't even know why I didn't eat mm. shellfish until my mom came and we talked about that. So that's a great thing. And I also have a friend of mine that she had been abandoned by her parents and she knew mm. that this was an issue. So she had awareness of the issue. But dealing with the issue was another story is going to be an avalanche of emotion. Whereas the Mm -hmm. shellfish one, it was completely on, you know, I didn't have any awareness of it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't an emotional avalanche to deal with the issue. I'm curious, like how you think about how, so once we start to question things, Mm -hmm. we start to realize, "Hmm, where did I get that story? Mm -hmm. How do we how do we go down that path of kind of investigating and trying to understand that when we know that it can be brutally painful? Yeah. I mean, I I think you mentioned, you know, the first thing is to recognize it and to be aware of these beliefs, you know, which I didn't even see, you know, hard, I have to work hard to, you know, to be successful or to be safe. And then I have to save a lot to be safe and money can disappear any moment to recognize that belief But then, as you said, it can be very hard to shift it still. And for me, some things that are quite painful and quite scary in a way is to really face those fears and to really get real about them. You know, what if all of the terrible things that I imagined happened? And what if they all happened at once? You know, what if the stock market crashes and stays low for, you know, longer than usual, five plus years? What if, you know something happened with my health and I had to cover that Mm. and to actually, and it's hard to do, but, you know, to journal, I've done some journaling about that. What if all these super scary things I imagined happened and they all happened at the same time, which is, you know, probably unlikely, Mm. but what, what would I be able to do with that in that case? And I have a lot of options. I have, you know, great connections. I have a lot of expertise in my career. I have quit my job in Bangkok, but I know without a shadow of a doubt, I can always go out and generate more money if I need to. Um, So, you know, for a lot of years, I stayed trapped in a job that wasn't actually that bad, but it wasn't my true calling anymore. And it wasn't my best life anymore. And to 
to step away from that in a job where I was able to save a lot each year, um, around $90,000 USD a year I was saving. So that kind of kept me trapped and I'll work one more year, I'll work one more year. But when I sat down and I journaled and I thought, well, what's the worst case that can happen if I take a year or two off or three or four and I can always go back and work it, you know, in fact, I found, cause I have taken two sabbatical years before and I thought, oh, even taking the sabbatical years, you know, will I still be attracted to employers? And, you know, a lot of times they love that experience, different life experiences. So I think whatever listeners are dealing with, whatever fears or beliefs they may have, you know, journaling and going into that worst case scenario and also thinking, what if it's better than I imagine? You know, I live so much from fear and what if this and what if that, but what if new opportunities present themselves to me because I have new, more time and space and energy to recognize them and I find other ways to make money and there's it's so much better than I could even imagine. So I think really um, allowing, if listeners can allow themselves to wrestle with whatever beliefs they have and whatever fears are around that and then thinking about, you know, the possibility that it could also open up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, facing the fear mm-hmm. is the way this, you know, in some ways, you could say there's only one way through it, and that is through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that my relationship with money is kind of neutral. We were not deprived when I was young, but we didn't have that much. We saved and, you know, all that, but we weren't obsessive about it. And so I never had like, I never had a big worry about money. I always felt like I could make it and all that. But one of the things that I did five or maybe 10 years ago is I really started to work on a mantra. And, you know, maybe for the listeners out there, if you're driving a car or something, don't do this. But if you're relaxing and you're in a chair or you're standing up or you're at the park, you know, what I want to do is let's let's do the mantra together. What do you think, Amy? I love it. Yeah, let's do it. My mantra requires a physical movement. We have to put our hands up like this, right? Like yeah. like we're receiving mm. something from the world. So I'm putting my hands up and I'm receiving. And the, the mantra is money flows to me. So money let's say it together. To yeah, I love it. Money, money flows, flows to, me. to me. That's it. Yeah, And that's my mantra. Mm-hmm. Money flows to me. Yes. And it's, I like that one more than wealth or wanting to get rich or be independent mm-hmm. or anything that money flows to me. I can give it away if I want sometimes. Mm-hmm. I can spend it on other things. I can save it. Mm-hmm. But money flows to me. Now, in order for money to flow, I think we've got to bring value to the world too, right? Yes. So I'm just curious, yes. like what your thinking is on that side of things. Like you said, I mean, obviously, you know, you can go straight into a job mm-hmm. and bring value for a salary, mm-hmm. but tell me about the value and, you know, how you've had your kind of, let's say, value journey of mm-hmm. the value that you're bringing to this world. Yes. Great. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this is this is a journey for me still. And so I'm still learning how to overcome some of those old wounds and fears and scarcity around money. And, you know, learning how to really value my time is something I'm still working on, because as an employer, you know, it's very easy. My my salary was set very much based on my, you know, my master's degree or how many years of experience I worked. I was an international school teacher working in prestigious international schools in Asia. So, you know, that was a very transparent system, unlike a lot of corporate careers where the salary is not negotiated as much. But I am still 
learning how to really value my time because I, you know, I am creating value for people with a retreat. I, mm. I am making it affordable because I want it to be something that lots of people can come to. Mm. And I also recognize that there is sometimes a fear in me, like I don't want to charge too much, you know, and I, and it is a passion project for me as well. So that's a, that's an interesting question about creating value. Cause I, I feel like I need to do your mantra a little more because it is, I do have enough of a nest egg, you know, according to fire principles to mm. not have to, to not worry about it anymore. Yep. And I'm also wanting to generate a little bit of income, you know, to cover some expenses, but I can also draw down at this stage if I yeah. would like. You know, one of the things I like about talking to you, the the times that we talked earlier, and is that basically you get this feeling of authenticity, like, you know, you're going down the path, you're, <laughs> you're down that path, but you're not saying I'm I'm here at the end, I'm at the mountaintop, I've got, no, I, I can guide you to where I am and then let's go further. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that there's so much authenticity to that. And I think that's probably why you get, you know, so many people wanting to join because- that's the type of person that I think we all want to work with. You know, I mean, it's great to say, oh yeah, he's so-and-so's millions and millions mm-hmm. and they're at the mountaintop, but you know, mm-hmm. that's not relatable to most of us. One of the things that I, I took a course by Amy Porterfield mm-hmm. and I spent an inordinate amount of money, whatever that word mm-hmm. is. And right. I spent, I think $1,600 on mm-hmm. her digital course Academy. Right. And, and it was crazy, particularly when you look at you can buy a course on Udemy for $10. Right. <laughs> and, and so I just thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I've listened to her podcast long enough. I'm going to do mm-hmm. this. So I went into the course and I had an intern working with me at the time. So he and I kind of went through the course together mm-hmm. and I had him take notes and help me with some things when I didn't have time. And then we just kept going through it. But in the end, what I learned from it is that we've got to deliver some sort of transformation. Yes. We've got to really deliver And therefore, once we can come up with that, then we can charge more. And I think that was my block is that I felt like, and, you know, like I'm just another course out there, Mm -hmm. you know, on, on different courses. And so I decided to implement it with my valuation masterclass bootcamp that we're going to really deliver a transformation. Right. And so the first kickoff of the bootcamp, which Mm -hmm. is next Monday, by the way, Mm -hmm. I always wear my bootcamp hat. I love it. I love it. This is my uh, kick-ass drill sergeant. It is. (laughs) And I always say the same thing. The valuation Mm -hmm. masterclass Mm -hmm. is about transformation, Mm. not information. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I try to help everybody in the class. I I repeat that over and over and Mm -hmm. over for the six weeks. Mm -hmm. And I try to have them Mm -hmm. kind of declare their transformation, which is Mm -hmm. different for everybody. But once you start to create a transformative process, which mm-hmm. I think you are, mm-hmm. but you you got to call it out. You got to right. really make it clear. Mm-hmm. You got to help mm-hmm. people see that transformation. Yeah. Once you do that, mm-hmm. then the value comes. And then now I can charge what Amy charges mm-hmm. without any fear or worry because I know I'm delivering a transformation. And you know what the transformation is for a lot of young people? Number one, they've been left behind by adults giving yeah. them bad quality courses online, mm-hmm. Zoom, not letting mm-hmm. them go to school, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. nonsense. And also, I would say they're being let down by adults too because of what's happening with their mobile phones and mm-hmm. the attention issue that's going on around the world. And adults haven't helped them at all. They're, you know, 15, 16, 20-year-olds, 
their minds are absolutely distracted mm. and nobody's helping them. Yeah. So when they come into the boot camp and they get kind of whipped in shape and they're like, it's serious and we got peer support, but mm. you know, this is serious and you got a yes. serious goal to go after. Mm-hmm. You realize that a huge part of the transformation is just helping people focus on the transformation. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I feel like I know the values there for my retreat. I mean, it's sold out really quick. And the the quality of speakers that I'm interviewing now, I've interviewed a lot of two dozen speakers already that want to come and speak is phenomenal. Mm. And coming to Bali in itself, you know, for me, when I moved here, it just opened my eyes. And I thought I had a great life, but opened my eyes to possibility. So I know the value is there. I think I did underprice it initially because I was, you know, not really sure, but it's my first one. But yeah, I definitely know that, you know, transformation, it's as you say, Andrew, it's not about information. It's about transformation and giving people access to possibility, options, choice, a sense of a new sense of freedom to break out of that rut, you know, that at least I know I was in and to give them some time and space to reflect on their life Mm. is so valuable. Can you tell us a little bit about, you and I talked about this episode, not being about a specific story, but more kind of your general experience, number one, but also I wanted to understand a little bit more about the event because that helps us to understand too, the way you think about things and the way you're structuring things. So feel free to take it any way you want, direction you want. Sure. I mean, I I had this idea, you know, when I was working in Bangkok, like you, Andrew, and was unhappy in my job and in an old pattern of overworking, oversaving, saving 90% of my income, investing it all, you know, I have to work one more year, save more, save more kind of mentality and working myself into the ground and not having balance, which I hadn't had any, any of the years that I worked. But I had this idea to have a conference in Asia because Asia is my home. I've lived here a long time. I love Bali and I've lived my sabbatical life in Bali and, and really seen what my best life looks like. And I think the power of community is so important. So, I mean, at at the event, you know, not only are we going to have adventures together in Bali and connect with the Balinese people and the Balinese culture and go out and do fun things together as a group, really for me, the value is community. And I've been to six fire events in the U.S. I'm going to three more in the next two months because I'm headed back to the U.S. for a few months. And, you know, I value these events so much because I feel like I meet very intelligent, skilled, generous people who are so giving of their time and expertise at these events, not only from the speakers, but from the community members. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you what an impact that's made on me. You know, to sit down and have someone log into my Vanguard account with me, look at my asset allocations, just giving their time to, you know, talk with me about some of my money worries and concerns and help counsel me through that, to think about some of these worst case scenarios and have the trust to step out on a leap of faith and follow my passion and and my intuition, you know, to to talk about healthcare and what do you do when you're not employed anymore? All of these things, I feel like there's so much expertise in the audience and in the community and people are are incredibly kind and generous. And so I'm going to bring in great speakers and I know a lot of the people who are coming and they have a lot of expertise. And so they're very money savvy people already. And so my goal is to bring in speakers that, you know, will offer them information and knowledge. But like you say, transformation is more important. And so it's really also about 
bringing something new and surprising them with something they haven't thought about already. Mm. You know, the, the story that in my life is that my mother and father, you know, raised three kids and my father worked full-time at DuPont, but it wasn't like he was making a huge amount of money. Mm. And my mother was a housewife. And, you know, I would say we never were lacking of things at home of any amount. We didn't expect a lot, but, but when my mom came to Thailand after my dad passed away and we sat down and reviewed her portfolio, I just said, you're 78 and you've got enough that you don't need to worry for the rest of your life. You know, you couldn't spend what you've got, you know, in probably 10 years and I'm here also, you know, so, and that was a remarkable discussion to have. And what percent of people are in that position? Very few. So when we talk about transformation, and I think for the listeners out there, you know, what I want, what I want to bring to the listeners is that it's possible, but it's not easy. You know, it takes, you've got to get focused at a young age. You've got to, you know, as I, I say in the podcast, create, grow, and protect our wealth. Mm-hmm. You've got to separate creating wealth from growing wealth. Mm-hmm. And creating wealth may happen through a business. It may happen through a salary. But every month you need that money machine that you're creating the well, that you're then carefully growing through the markets, as you've talked about, you know, Vanguard and the like. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you have to also protect it because it doesn't do any good if you've saved up and invested and you're far along and then all of a sudden you make a big mistake, boom, you're set back. So I always try to focus on create, grow and protect, but maybe you can give some from your own experience of kind of what would be core advice that you would give for the listeners out there who are, I know some of my listeners and my viewers are, you know, they're working hard just like you in their jobs and they're, you know, they're trying to save, they got family, they got a lot of other things going on, but let's, let's help give them some guidance. Yeah, I feel like, you know, really getting clear about, for me, what are my values and spending on that, you know, because it is, I've been an obsessive saver in my life. So I needed to think about how can I spend money on things that I value. But I think if listeners can get really clear about what are my values and spending on those things and not what other people value. So, you know, in the U.S., it's consumeristic society with a bigger house, bigger car, but really thinking about, you know, is that is that enough? Is that what I need? What is my enough? And then once you know what your enough is to make you happy, you know, that will allow you to grow the gap between what you're earning and what you're spending and then invest that gap. And the more that you can grow that gap and invest it, you know, I love low cost index funds and just set it and forget it, leave it for for decades, you know, it will not worry about the ups and downs of the market and watch those and be worried about that. I mean, I feel like, you know, I love what you say about create, grow and protect your wealth. You know, that's so important. And then I think also like when, you know, as you said, with a conversation with your mom, you know, also recognizing at some point, like, you know, it is okay to, I know the fire movement for so long has been so focused on depriving themselves, you know, and then to, for this future date, and then they're going to, they're going to retire early, but they, they really don't enjoy the journey. So I think there is some balance there of, you know, ensuring that we create, grow and protect, and also enjoy the journey and spend on what we value. Mm. 
you know, I had a time when I got out of high school, my, my parents said, well, it's time for you to move out. And I didn't have money to go to university mm -hmm. or anything. So I lived on nothing. I mean, I worked mm -hmm. at a factory making $3 and 35 cents an hour, which was minimum wage back then and barely, barely mm -hmm. surviving. <laughs> but I remember having a lot of fun, you know, and mm -hmm. I was, I had just gotten sober. So I was, you know, not drinking or doing any drugs at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was having great times with my new friends and meeting a lot of people and going to meetings and all of that stuff. And it was, it was fantastic. And it, it helped me to understand that, that money is not correlated with happiness. You know, it's, it's kind of uncorrelated. There's no real strong correlation, positive or negative. That's the way I viewed it. And then later when the 1998, 1997 crisis happened in 1998 was just a disaster mm -hmm. for my business, my coffee factory here in Thailand, as well as my job as an investment banker, as an analyst, all fell apart and I lost that. And the factory was, you know, so close to basically mm -hmm. shutting down and we had to move into the factory and all that, mm -hmm. ah, yeah, you know, I can survive. Okay. And I realized like having this neutral frame to money help me to realize I can go through, you know, anything and the ups and downs of it. So that was, you know, one of the things that, that I was thinking about as you were talking. And the second thing I, I was thinking about is, you know, there was this very, really popular book many years ago when I was younger, which was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And I read it and I thought it was pretty good. You know, I thought it was pretty interesting and all that. But now as I look back, I realize it's terrible advice. Mm. It's like awful advice. To, to get in a lot of debt, really use, you know. Well, what people don't realize is that the problem is, is that what was the rich dad? The rich dad was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So what percent of the population in this world is an entrepreneur? Yeah, not you many. Point one, maybe point zero one. Mm -hmm. Think about big businesses that maybe started by one guy, one man, mm -hmm. one woman. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the people are basically working. Hmm. And I realize that what that book does is it inspires you to be an entrepreneur. But if hmm. that goes out to the masses, that is going to be a hell of a lot of disappointment mm -hmm. when right. they realize that they've lost everything and all their time hmm. and they're not really an entrepreneur. Right. And that's when I started to think more deeply about the idea of, you know, create, grow, protect. And that's where I realized that, well, for the person who's not an entrepreneur, you've got to create mm -hmm. your money machine out of your monthly salary. Mm -hmm. That's what yes. Yes. Yeah, just the the boring path. You know, I love J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. But, you know, just really set it up, set it and forget it, and don't have to worry about it. <laughs> you got it there on your shelf. Right yes. there. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 So let's wrap up. Now, one of the things I want to ask you is that if, if people like what you're doing and they want to learn more, where's the best place to find you? Yes, they can go to fivefreedomretreats.com. And their retreat in September is sold out. However, I'm trying to open up a few more rooms that they'd like to add their name to the waiting list. That would be great. I am planning a retreat for May, I think, 2024. So I've had such a great response. I definitely see that there's a need for community because it can get lonely on this journey. Yeah. You know, saving and, you know, just trying to build for your retirement being around like-minded people, you know, who give us ideas, who inspire us to see something new and a new possibility for our lives is incredible. So I think getting together, there's nothing like an in-person community mm -hmm. to really bring some enthusiasm to the journey and reinvigorate you on your savings and investing journey. And, and sometimes learning one piece of information. I mean, I've gone to all of these, I'm going to, you know, nine after this in by May, 
I've always, they feel like investments to me because I've learned tips or gotten ideas that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So it opens up a lot of possibility. Well, listeners, Bali's not that far for many of my listeners who are in Asia, but for those that are in America, what a great chance. So what we'll do is I'll have the links in the show notes to that. You say the first one, the most recent one that you're doing is is already full, but mm-hmm. let's put it in the show notes so people can check it out. And I'm going to check it out also. I don't travel that much anymore. I must admit, I haven't been uh, been traveling much. Okay. Now let me ask you for the person that says, I can't make it, but I like what you're saying and I want to get started. I don't know much about fire movement and I, mm-hmm. I want to get started. What's What's the best resource that you'd recommend for their starting point? I would recommend J.L. Collins, A Simple Path to Wealth. I love that book. I feel like it's, and and there's so many podcasts and books. And, you know, I listen to the Choose a Pie podcast, the Fort Anything podcast, Stacking Benjamins, your podcast. You know, they're already listening to those podcasts. You know, those are kind of U.S. specific podcasts, but there's great podcasts in Australia and Europe, you know, Captain Phi, My Millennial Money in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's fire podcasts, depending on your investment options you know, different parts of the world. I think those are great resources. And I do think finding an in-person event near you is great or a meetup. There is something about meeting people in person and having those conversations. That's very important. How would they find that? Like, I don't know, like Bangkok as an example, or if Mm -hmm. they're in New York or, Mm -hmm. you know, LA or something like that, how would they find it? I mean, there there are other events going on in the U.S., such as Camp Fi, dot org, which I went to, you know, six of those, and I love them. And there's meetup groups as well online, so you could search. in In Australia, there's not as many multi day events, which there is something special about that. Yeah. You know, you can go to a one day meetup or have beers or find those meetup groups, but building a a relationship with people over time and really having some deeper conversations is nice. So that's why I wanted to create something in the Asia Pacific region, because there wasn't any multi-day event over here. And in Europe as well, there's not a multi-day event. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think if someone searches online for fire meetups in whatever country they're in, or looks sometimes on a local meetup group with Choose a Buy, they might be able to find a meetup group, or they can send me a message and I can help them as well. It's it's interesting, you know, I teach a lot of events and I just, that, that second morning of the event is like mm-hmm. magic. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm back and everybody's back and we're committed to this. And it's just something magical about mm-hmm. that second day. So I, I know what you mean. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal is to create an incredible life freedom event and to you know, bring in amazing speakers in and a great group of people and really create a time for people to talk and connect, mm. you know, to build those relationships and their life. I know they're going to be lifelong friendships because that's what I felt when I went to the U.S. I met, I met lifelong friends that I still stay in touch with. Fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. If you've not yet joined that mission, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com and join my freakly, free, my freakly. Hmm. See, I am the worst. <laughs> I like it. Frankly, my frequently become a better investor (laughs) newsletter to reduce risk in your life. As we conclude, Amy, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I would say take take the plunge in your life. Really reflect on what you want in your life 
and think about, is my money aligning with that? And then take a, take a plunge with it. Fantastic. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you on the upside.